Welcome to Makers Chat, a podcast community for creatives. I'm your host, Danielle Kaminsky, artist, maker, and educator from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Join me as we share our stories and explore the topics that are most important to creative entrepreneurs and makers. Guys, welcome back to Makers Chat. Today, I'm talking with my friend Monica Mercer of Eminem Mercantile down in Canton, Georgia. So, hey, Monica, how are you? I'm great, Danielle. How are you? I am doing good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I'm excited to talk to you today because I do want to talk a little bit about what it's like for us, not only as creatives with handmade businesses, but as brick and mortar store owners who are working with other vendors, because there's sort of two sides to the way that we juggle things. That's very true. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of juggling, right? Lots of juggling, lots of balls in the air all the time. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) But if you don't mind, if you'll tell our audience just a little bit about you, where, you know, where you're from and your business and how you got started. Great. All right. So she's already introduced me as Monica with M&M Mercantile and my business, my store, my brick and mortar is in Canton, Georgia, and we have been open, just celebrated our two year anniversary on June 1st. So we're just now two years old. And then I live in Cumming, Georgia, which is about, I'm about seven miles from my store. So just across the county line. Um, so we're in North, Northeast Georgia. So kind of right at the foothills of the beautiful um, Georgia mountains. Yeah, It's a beautiful place and it's a nice, uh, Canton's a nice little hometown. Still has a little, pretty little hometown square. Danielle's been there. She got to eat dinner downtown Canton. She's been to the store. So mm-hmm. she can she can picture what I'm talking about when I talk about it. Um, yep. So yeah, I've got, I've got several vendors in there that commission their work and we can talk more about that. But um, it's a family owned business. M&M stands for Monica and McAllister. Or I tease my husband on the days he doesn't want to be involved in the store. We just say it's M&M for Monica Mercer. <laughs> <laughs> That works. It works either way. It does. We have lots of M's, so it works. So before you had the mercantile, you you had a vendor booth in another store. Is that correct? That's correct. I actually had a vendor booth in the store in the location that I'm at now. It was a name had a different name, and I had started renting space from her where I retail two different paint lines and you know, different iron orchid designs and that kind of thing. And so I rented space there. And then I also had another uh, booth incoming. So I had two booths and then the store became available. And so I just really, I mean, to be honest, did not think about being a brick and mortar owner because it's, you know, it's a lot of work (laughs) and uh, it wasn't like a goal or a dream. It was just, it kind of fell in my lap. But then I saw the advantages of, of it after having rent, renting, rented space from other store owners and the frustration that can come along with that, um, especially if you're a control freak, like I can be sometimes. Do you have some control freak tendencies? Oh, yes, <laughs> actually I do. I've learned a lot about letting those go, but, you know, they still like to creep up on us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how did you get started with your, with your first business? Started out as brush up restoration and decor. And that's what it was called when I was renting space, because I started out just doing for as a furniture artist and retailing the paint. So brush up made sense. But when then I decided to open the store that didn't really, it wasn't, it was too narrow of a name, I think for what I wanted to have in Ilmanil Mercantile. So we changed the name. So yeah, I started out as a furniture artist, really just my, it started with my daughter asked me to um, create, build a farm table for her. And we 
painted it and painted chairs. And, you know, I just had fallen in love with painted furniture. So I just started doing that. And then I uh, found general finishes paint and started retailing that. And then DIY came along and just opened up this great community of other creatives that I didn't even know existed. So it's just been quite an incredible journey. Yeah. So you have had Eminem for two years. You said y'all just celebrated your second anniversary. Yeah, on June first. That is so, so we exciting. Made it COVID and <laughs> that's what I was about to say. So your second year in business was, yeah, baptism by fire, so to speak. Yeah, I really <laughs> had to. Um, so I opened June of 2019, and then I had to close the store on April. Uh, first, I think, and then reopened on May 1st. So right before our one year anniversary, I had just reopened the store. So I was wow. just closed for a month. And then of course we had staggered hours and, you know, yeah. just safe practices in place during all of that. So yeah, it was, right. um, yeah, didn't see that one coming, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of us did. Well, and it did yeah. change. I think the way a lot of us look at having a brick and mortar, um, it's just, it's different. I have been getting a lot of questions lately about like people who are interested in having a space in my store here in Spartanburg. And they ask all these questions, um, about how we do business, but also like, kind of just like, how do I know when I'm ready? Um, to the point that I actually put together a handout I could give people that was like, these are some things you want to think about. These are questions you want to ask yourself kind of thing. But, um, what do you, what, what's your experience been working with vendors and artists who are interested in coming in the store and they're, they're just getting started. What are some of the, the things that you see there? Some of the trends. That's a good question. And I'll go out to give a little background on that. Cause when I started, when I opened the store, I had vendor space, so to speak. So they would rent a certain space. We would measure it out, you know, you charge by foot. I don't know how you do mm -hmm. it, but we would do that. And, but I'm not in a high traffic area. I'm in a more destination place is what I call it because I have to make my store where people want to come. Right. I, I don't have foot mm -hmm. traffic. I'm not in a downtown area. I'm just a little strip going down a very busy highway. So that was not working well for the vendors because I did not have enough foot traffic for the, and then they weren't making rent um, unless they had a lot of smalls to sell, you know, but a lot of my vendors are, artists so they have their art but you know art doesn't like people aren't going to come in and buy high-end art every day so i have moved towards more commission type or mm -hmm. consignment type um agreement mm -hmm. with my vendors and that's really worked well it's a win-win um because i couldn't sleep at night if they weren't succeeding i wanted them to succeed as much yeah. as i wanted this store to succeed um right i truly care about them so this has this model has worked out much better. Um, so that's kind of changed things. But now when people come in and they're just starting out, I've got a, a little gal that sells soap in my store, you know, and so she's just starting out with her little soap business and she did, she still yeah. does farmers markets and that kind of thing. But she, um, she did, she's done such a good job. I mean, just helping them get pr the pricing down right and just keeping their, I mean, she still has a little space where she has her soaps and just right. to, you know, teaching them how to, to, to do a good presentation with their product that helps sell it. And um, I, yeah. I try to help them have a good location in the store where it blends in well with the other decor. So those are all kinds of things I try to help them with. Um, I know that one little gal, she was brand new when I, when I was doing uh, 
like a booth rental. And she came in and we hadn't even been opened a month and she already started putting all her, marking all her things down and putting them on sale. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, we yeah. want to, um, first of all, I didn't want to establish a store that is where people come in and bargain. I'm not a bargain store. And so I just had to teach her right. about set your price good. If you want to change your pricing and mark things down, let's just change the tags, but let's don't have everything marked down or put everything on sale. We'll have special events where we do that, you know, to bring people yeah. in and celebrate. Like we always have a big sale on our birthday celebration every, you know, for the last two years, or if I do like a fall event or of course our Christmas open house, you know, those kind of things. So that's been right. kind of the process where I've had to teach um, yeah. certain newer vendors how to do that. Yeah. That's something that we, um, we deal with that a lot too. It's actually a line item in our agreement that um, markdown prices, we, we, we discourage it, but when you do it, it needs to be a new tag. Um, if we have a sales corner, we do have a sales corner where if people are truly clearancing out items that they can mark them and put them in the sales corner. So it's like a specific area. But aside from that, um, that's something I get up on a soapbox about a little bit when it comes to handmade pricing, because you can't, Handmade products are not the same as mass produced products when it comes to starting to sell things. You will literally sell yourself right out of a business if That's you right. keep marking stuff down. And so, um, so yeah, we kind of have that same learning curve here and I'll have people that'll be like, well, if it doesn't sell, I'll just mark it down. And I'm just like, no, if it doesn't sell, then you figure out why it didn't sell. And you look at that because it wasn't the price. It wasn't because it was too expensive. Maybe it was because of the way you displayed it. Maybe it was because you know, of the fact that you didn't put a picture online and let people know to come look at it or, or whatever the case may be. But, but yeah, that's definitely a learning curve for folks who are just kind of getting into like stores and the handmade scenes, especially for people who are used to craft fairs, because what I learned, and this was me as well. I don't know. Did you do craft fairs before you had a vendor booth? Well, I'm not very crafty, so um, okay. you're much craftier than I am. <laughs> so uh, small crafty things drive me. I mean, I'll make one, but then I get bored and I want to move on to something else. So like mass producing okay. something as, you know, whatever that might be, um, it's not something I do very well, but I'd have done even, it's funny because since I've opened M&M Mercantile, I've actually gone to some craft fairs and I, I really just market that as, um, or expense that as a marketing dollars because right. I think of it as a marketing event for me, not mm -hmm. necessarily there to make a lot of money from a craft fair, but for, and I do local right. so that people know that I'm in business and they can come to the store and I'll do that at Christmas. I did one through the chamber of commerce and right. uh, yeah, that worked out great. Cause it got people knowing I was open and coming to the store and, um, but yeah, craft fairs. I haven't done a lot of those, um, but yeah, you're <laughs> right. It's not like a craft fair because we're not going to have hundreds of people come through the door at one time. Every day. That's just right. sells. Like even my soap gal, she may sell two or three soaps a month. Right. So mm -hmm. she's not depending on my store to make all her money. She's still having to do craft fairs, but it's also another way for her to sell her product. Right. And I, right. and I make that clear up front too, as well. You're yeah. not going to sell. 500 soaps in a month, probably. Now, yeah. if I got into where I had more traffic, that might could happen. Yeah. But stay oh, there. Yeah. I make that very clear up front. Yeah. And we are to the point now here, um, we're bigger. We're in a warehouse. So we have 30,000 square feet. It's kind of insane. Um, <laughs> but it's incredible. It's incredible. But it is a lot. But because of that, and we're we're fairly close to downtown. We're right off the rail trail here in Spartanburg. We get some pretty decent 
foot traffic. And so our vendors, we use a rent model. They pay rent and then a real low um, commission rate to cover like volume associated stuff, you know, the credit card fees and that kind of thing. And the reason we do that is because there's enough traffic that if they're promoting their spaces, at the end of the day, they can make more money that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's, it's like you said, it's all dependent on the store. So like the, the question to ask when you're going into somewhere as far as, you know, what, what kind of foot traffic do you see in your store? What kind of, um, what kind of things are people shopping for? How much turnover do you have? That kind of thing. Do you ask your vendors to change out their product on any kind of schedule or? I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty laid back with that. Um, I do, I do ask them to come change out products, especially seasonal type things. You know, I'll right. say, Hey, you know, I'll remind them, Hey, this season's coming up. You might want to bring in some fall decor. Uh, of course, then once fall's over, I want them to come get that and, uh, yeah. you know, keep it refreshed. But since they don't really have space, because right. what I do is I take what they bring in and I just move it throughout my store, which I really like. Cause again, as I said earlier, being a control freak, that gives me control over how my, store looks overall um so they're not in just one certain space Does that makes sense so and then um, you can use the presentation of your overall store right so, then so if i don't see some presentation moving, without them having to do right and if so if i see that something hasn't sold or moved in a while i'll just you know we'll first try to move it around a little bit and just look and say okay this will look good over there look good over here and and we just, and then, you know, if something's just not moving at all, I'll give them the opportunity to mark it down, especially if we're having an event or a sale and then just ask them to change it out or whatever. Yeah. So. And you are running your business, your brick and mortar, but you also have a full-time job. This is true. <laughs> I, do. <laughs> I do. I'm a communications director for a, um, very large church in Atlanta. So I do that as well. It's a flexible hour. So it get, does give me opportunity to, to do both, but um, I'm a little tired right now. It's been a lot. So. I'm sure. I'm sure. How, how do you juggle that? Tell us a little bit about what that looks like for you. I just have to really plan my time out well and keep my calendar in front of me at all times and just allocate certain times to do certain things. So usually I can, I mean, my church is not close. The church I work at is a 35 mile commute with Atlanta traffic. So that can be pretty challenging, but I'll always, what I'll do is I'll go, I have a store manager. So that's been such a blessing. And she's, so she's a huge, and you've met Lynn. She's a huge blessing mm -hmm. to our store. So I couldn't do it without her for sure, because she keeps the store open when I can't be there. And, and really I needed her anyway, because I don't know how it works with you because you do have a large space and probably a lot of foot traffic but on the days that I'm not busy it really plays with my head um, as a store owner like oh my gosh nobody's ever going to come in here I'm never going to make another sale I need to just close <laughs> yeah but these are the kind of the things as a uh, owner of a brick and mortar that you can struggle with right but um so yeah I just so I usually come by the store every afternoon and then I don't have to go in on Wednesdays Fridays and Saturdays so we're closed on Sunday and Monday so okay. I'm able to use that time. I mean, now sometimes I get called in or things come up, so it can be a juggling act sometimes. Um, right. And then I just have so many ideas of so many things because I teach paint parties and teach workshops and, you know, I really want to expand that. And um, I've started a membership group. I don't even know if you know that, but I've started a membership group. And um, so 
but these are all things kind of to help me towards retirement from my full-time job so that I can, can do this on a full-time, I mean, it is a full-time basis, but it's not a hobby. It's not a side gig. It's what I love. And right. But, um, so anyway, so you're I'm ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working towards that goal and I think that'll be coming soon. So hopefully they won't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, soon is always relative anyway, right? That's right. <laughs> We're always working. We're always working towards something. I was, right. We always got to have goals and aspirations. That's right. That's, That's right. Um, so with that, and you have your store manager, which is awesome. And I mean, I have, so we hired, um, or I hired my store manager back in December. Before that, we had multiple part-time folks and I was kind of doing the, the managing, but I knew when we were having some changes in leadership at the store that I needed a good um, store manager that was full-time and Stephanie, I'm, I'm like you, Stephanie has been the biggest blessing. It was the best decision I ever made because it's freeing me up to do more, you know, to grow the store, to do more for the vendors, to make it like you're talking about focusing on the paint parties. And I'm trying to focus a little more on some of the outreach that we do, some of the events that we do and that kind of thing. And it just frees me up to be able to do that. So having good staff, it's worth its weight in gold. <laughs> it is. It is. And it, it makes a difference. And so, you know, I can't say there's some days when we're not as busy and I'm still paying her full time basically to work there. That can, you know, that can be challenging too, but I have to remember that it also allows me to market the store more, go to marketing events. I'm, I'm a member of a local um, network. I mean, networking events. I'm a member of a local network chapter that for women, that's incredible. And so it just affords me the time to do all those things, which really is going to grow the store a lot more than me just sitting there waiting on people to walk in the door. So, right. you know, I'm out there busy doing those things. Um, and that's something I look forward to having more time to do as well and to get more involved in the community because we have a great community. But, you know, having my full time job sometimes does hamper that process. Absolutely. Well, tell us more about this membership group that you've started. All right. I just started it two months ago, and um, I think I launched it. Well, gosh, I should know that. I think the end of April. So it's a faith-based group for women, and it's called Inspire with Color. And so I, um, it's for women who are looking for, faith-based women who are looking for refreshing and healing through art journaling, um, devotionals, and painting. So we do a weekly devotional and then we do a weekly, we do weekly art journaling and then we do one or two paintings a, a month. So okay. it's, uh, yeah, it's got 18 members already. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. And um, Kara came in and did a, um, she was a guest artist already and did some art journaling with us and did a beautiful job, of course. And so, yeah, it's, it's just been, that's really been healing for me. Like I'm, I feel like I'm probably getting more out of it than the women that are in the, the membership, yeah. but there's just a place where we're providing community for women online, but they can also, if they're local, you know, I'm going to offer things for them to come in and do maybe once a month. Yeah. So it's still developing. I just opened it. So it's still in the developing process, but yeah, pretty much launched on May 1st as far as, so we've been doing it for two months. Very cool. That's really cool. I love that. 
So it is. So you're the teaching you are teaching in a Facebook group. Is that how you right. manage it's it? A private Facebook group. Yeah. And um, yeah, like we do our, we, and we found like a, I did like a, a prayer journal that I found online. And so we're going through that together. It's 52 weeks of, um, you know, Bible verses. And so we go through that and then we kind of relate that to whatever we're art journaling. And it's not like they're following along doing exactly what I'm doing, art journaling. I'm teaching, right. you know, just giving them techniques and inspiration and to do their own art journaling. I just found in my own healing journey that, and I'm going through some really hard things and someone said, you need to journal, but I'm not good at journaling, like writing journaling. I get frustrated with that process for some reason. But then when somebody suggested, well, you're an artist, you should try art journaling. And I started doing that and it was just so healing for me. And so yeah. I thought, you know, if I'm struggling with this, maybe, you know, there's other women that would desire the same thing. So we're having a good time. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I did when you said that earlier, I had seen a post and I remember meaning to go back and look more into what you were doing. And I just, I got busy and it got away from me, but um, I think that's wonderful. So what, um, so tell me this, because, you know, your, your membership group is faith-based and I know that you work for a church and just from our relationship, I know that you have a really strong faith. How does that play into your, your brick and mortar? How do you represent that in your store? Um, yeah, that's a great question because um, kind of my tagline with my brick and mortar is art, faith, community. So we have beautiful artists in there and it's just cool how God has brought most everyone in there have, has a strong faith in the Lord. And so we have that pretty much, you can walk in the store and see that. I mean, it's just kind of there like with signage or the way pictures are painted or just, I don't know. They just pay in the music. We play Christian music. Um, so I think they just see that when they come through, but it has really just attracted so many people that come into our store that really are looking more for community than they are to purchase something. And, you know, I always tease, I say, I have to sell things to keep the store open, but that's not like the heart of the store. The heart of the store is to right. provide community for people. And I know I had a lady come in. I was just sharing this the other day with someone that uh, was really just, it was through COVID and she was just really lonely and the store was back open and the store always felt safe because I don't have a lot of people in there at one time. And so I think people have always felt safe coming in there. And she came in and she said, I was just really having a bad day and feeling lonely. And I really just wanted to come in. And um, I just knew that this would be a good place for me to come in and feel good. And that just, yeah. oh my gosh, that just made my heart so full. And then, I mean, we yeah. just had testimony after testimony. We had a lady come in Saturday. She's a, she's a vendor there. She sells, she sells a few little things there, but um, she's just become a dear friend and loves all the paint products, but she, you know, her daughter is going through some uh, hard things. And so we just stopped and prayed together for her mm -hmm. and we just take the time to do that. And I think that that's the kind of community that we're trying to build there. We say all the time here, we're like, the, the, the store is our happy place. We all love coming to work. Um, we love, get, I love working the desk when I can, just to be able to talk to people. It's just, it's fun to be able to, to build that community. Um, so that's awesome that, you know, that that's happened in there too, and that you've got these people you're building such good relationships with. Um, it makes them come back and when they're comfortable, they want to come back and spend more time with you. So that's what we hope. And we want them to come, you know, we want that. We want to yeah. build that. And yeah. And that's what I love about being there. I love going by in the afternoon and 
I try to hang out there a lot on Friday and Saturdays, just so when the customers do come in, I get to see them. I'm always sad if I miss somebody that, you know, that I know that has come yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fun though. So do you, I know you said earlier when you were saying which days that you, that you were, that you were able to take off. So were there days that you work the store and like, you're just in there and you're running the desk and everything, or are those just days that. No, yeah, that I was doing that before COVID and then COVID hit and. Um, and then I, I was, that's when I was promoted to communications director that before I was just doing projects at the church. So that increased that job so much that when we opened back up after COVID, I just allowed Lynn to do, to work the five day, we're open five days a week. And I just allowed her to kind of take that over. And, um, and really I've, I've kind of liked that. It's freed me up. Like I said, to, if I am there, I'm usually doing, working on a paint project. I've been able to increase increase doing paint parties because I can't do a paint party and run the store at the same time. Right. right. So it's been able to, I've been able to increase and have more paint parties and try to just really build that business and have, and I'm starting to have a lot of return customers even coming back to do more paint parties because they're enjoying those mm -hmm. so much. So yeah, I've just, I mean, if Lynn needed to do that, you know, of course. Yeah. I've had to yeah. do that some when she's had other things come up, but, um, my daughter was helping me, but she's getting ready to go off to med school. So I'm losing that one. Yes. Congrats <laughs> to her. That's exciting. Yeah. Thank you. We're proud. So, yeah, I'm sure. Um, so with the paint parties, you know, we encourage our vendors too if they want to, because we have spaces that can be utilized as classrooms and we'll try to do classes here every now and then too, but I really encourage our vendors to try to do their own classes, to offer their own classes, depending on what they're, what their craft is, what their skill is um, as a way to have a secondary income. But I'm always having people and then me myself, you know, experience that it. sometimes it's hard to get traction. What what suggestions or recommendations would you have for someone who's really trying to get started doing the classes and the parties and things like that? Yeah, it does take a while to get traction because like I've just been open two years and the first year I just didn't have a lot of traction with my parties. I have found um, well, I joined a group to help me learn how to do paint parties. So that helped. So she gave and she okay. gives us great um, marketing materials to help with that. So that's really helped having the marketing materials and then just finding out what people like to do. Um, so that's really helped. I try to pick paintings that they're going to enjoy painting. And of course, Christmas is easy. We do snowmen and, you know, <laughs> but, then off, but, you know, like we just did a couple sunflower paintings and those were both a big hit. People really liked those. Um, so I just try to, yeah, you just kind of got to find the niche of what people are enjoying. But then you've also got to do heavy marketing. I've got an email list that I've created and I send out a monthly, sometimes bi-monthly email, um, letting them know what parties are coming up. And that's very important because if they don't know, they can't sign up if they're not walking right. in the store and they don't. And then of course I hit Facebook and Instagram and I create an event. So it's a, it's a process. I mean, you have to create, you know, you got to get it on your website so they can register because I make them pay ahead of time. I don't let them just walk in that day because I want to be prepared and make sure I have the right materials. So I, 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 um, what's the word? not demand that's not require pre-register <laughs> yeah <laughs> I demand it, but I require it <laughs> uh, and so that helps me and I think it helps you have a more successful party too because then you don't just yeah. have one person show up and then of course if I don't have at least at least three people signed up then I will reschedule the party gotcha. um, I just think it's more fun I mean I call them paint parties and I tell them I'm not like a professional I mean I am an artist but 
I'm here to teach you some basic skills in painting and for us to have a good time. But, you know, I'm, it's more whimsical. I'm not going to teach you how to paint a rose that looks just like a rose. <laughs> um, and then I do like I've got a Friday, Friday fun day coming up um, at the end of July where we're just going to play with all the new paints. I've got a new paint line coming in and we're going to play with iron orchid designs and tissue paper. And we're just going to have a Friday fun day. It's going to be all afternoon. And that's like $15 for them to just come and play with the product and have fun. So that's something they've been asking for. So I just started that yeah. and I'm hoping to do that once a month. That will so. be a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear about how that goes for you. So what kind of, what kind of advice would you give to, to someone who maybe has been a vendor and now they're considering opening their own shop or taking, you know, taking, advantage of an opportunity that has presented itself? What would be your I mean, advice? I, always, I mean, if it, I think if the opportunity presents itself, I mean, of course, pray about it, but I think by the time it's presented itself, it's kind of already there. Right. So, um, I mean, still pray about it always, but I mean, I would, if I had to do it over again, I would do it. I think that it's brought so much, um, joy. And like I said, build, building the community, I think you just don't focus on the, I mean, you have to make money to stay open but I would focus more on what you love about it and do what you love. And then the rest, I think, will fall into place. Um, into place. I was stressing about it last week and then I had some online sales. I would say I had to pivot and learn how to put my store online. That's very important. And that's been very challenging. And I mean, I know tech stuff, but that has just. And then all of a sudden you hit the right button and everything works and you feel so accomplished. But yeah, I mean, you got to You've got to. You've got to learn technology to be successful in retail anymore, I think. And yeah. um, so I would just give you that advice to take some courses and network. A network, I think networking is very important to know that you have support from other retailers and other creatives. And so I think that would definitely advise to get into a good network of people that I have a bit, you know, I'm in a business builders group that helps me with that to keep me with goal setting and planning and those are all things that have really that I've learned and have helped me pivot to the next level with, with retail. That's awesome. But I'd say go for it. Yep. So rapid fire questions. First one being, what is your favorite snack food? Not uh, chips and salsa. Okay. I love Mexican food. I love just about any Mexican food. Oh my gosh. I could eat it every day. Yes. Chips I and salsa. <laughs> And cheese um, oh yeah oh yeah of course it's not it's, it's it, you're not eating mexican food until you have cheese dip right right <laughs> um what is your favorite movie of all time grease grease yeah <laughs> my kids and, they love for me to make a fool out of myself and sing some of the songs so it's uh yeah i love grease could watch it over and over and over fun and like died in the wool grease. Now, what did you think of Grease too? Mm, no. Mm, no. no, no, no. <laughs> they should have. Grease was just a standalone. It should have stayed that way. <laughs> yep. Okay. That's what. That's usually what I hear from people. But I'm always curious when I hear that someone loves a movie that then there was a sequel. It was like, okay. And then how did you feel about that? <laughs> yeah. No, not on that one. <laughs> not so much. Um and. What is your favorite band or artist, singer, that kind of thing? Oh, Garth. Oh, Garth. He's a good yes. one. Yes. yes. 
That was an easy one, Garth. Always Garth. Um, I've got to see him in concert twice now when he came out of retirement. I didn't think I was ever going to get to. And then he came out of retirement and I got to go see him twice. And it was just amazing. That's and he has actually has episode. a channel on Thank you for joining Sears us. Radio. So Remember to check out the Bass okay. community yeah, so you the can dive channel. deeper it's into great, the conversation. He, plays, he doesn't just play You'll country. You'll find the link to join in our show notes. Have a rock, beautiful pop. week. And I mean, we he plays everybody. So soon. it's really a fun channel. But he talks on there. So I get to hear him talk every day. And it makes me really happy. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Um, and then do you, do you like to listen to podcasts? Do you have a favorite podcast? I do like podcasts. Um, I listen to Entree Leadership, Dave Ramsey. That's one of my favorites, of course. Um, let's see. Christy Wright Business Boutique is a really good one. Savvy Shopkeeper. That's, mm -hmm. I really like that one. Um, I was going to pull my podcast up and see. And then I have some, you know, some pastors um, that I listen to, Stephen Furtick, and that, which he's probably close to you, right? Elevation Church. Elevation Church, Stephen Furtick. Yeah, relatively. Yeah. I think they have a campus in Spartanburg. I do. They, they yeah. you know, they probably do. But now that you say that, I think you're right. Um. Well, fun, fun. And then my last question that I always ask, if time, money, resources, if none of that were a question, where would you go tomorrow? Florida, to the beach. Florida. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's always my goal to get to the beach as much as possible. But, um, I mean, this year we're my daughter's moving to uh Clearwater for med school. And so I was very okay. excited when she got, that was the med school that she chose. And uh, I said, Oh, I'll be coming to visit you a lot in Clearwater. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. So you're, so are you a beach baby? Do you like to go to the beaches there in Georgia? No, I like the beaches in Florida better. Florida. Um, okay. The beaches in Georgia aren't particularly that close. Really? Yeah. I mean, Florida's not because I like going to the Gulf. So it's, it's, gotcha. not that. it's maybe an hour further, but the Gulf is of Mexico beaches are just gorgeous with the white sand. And yeah. Yeah. I but I'll take any beach. I mean, I just love going. I mean, there's just so something healing and soothing about sitting at the beach and putting your beach. toes in the sand and watching the waves. Now I don't like getting in the water so much, but I love the beach. Yeah. I like the beach. I've got nothing against the beach. I like it, but I'm a mountains girl. Yeah, we like the mountains too. And we get the beach or sit in the mountains. Yeah, my husband would pick them. He would pick the mountains. He loves to fly fish, so he likes to go up in the mountains on the stream and flip fish. Yeah, and it's very that's very relaxing too. And we live close to the mountains. You pro how far are you from mountains? Fifteen thirty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're 30 minutes from yeah. the mountain. So if we want a quick trip, it's great. We go up to the mountains for the weekend and it's awesome. We love to do that. Yeah. We're at actually um, where I am. We're, we're an hour from just, in my opinion, some of the best mountains um, to really just go up and, and get a cabin. That's not crazy expensive. And there's lots of cute little towns. If you want to like go out for dinner, do some shopping or whatever, but then it's just gorgeous. Lots of walks and trails, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, North Carolina has some beautiful mountains. We love to go to North yeah. Carolina. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I really do. 
thank you for taking time to do this. I appreciate it because I know you're no, busy. <laughs> um, I just wish you all the all the best in your business. Thank you. You too. All right. Take care. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. That's all for this week's episode of Makers Chat. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, you can always dive deeper into the conversation by joining the community group on Facebook. You'll find the link to join in today's show notes, as well as a link for that handout I mentioned about knowing whether or not you're ready to start your own booth inside a vendor store. I'd love to hear from you. So head on over to the community and let me know what you think. We'll see you guys next week for another episode of Maker's Chat.